Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're going to get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom, more on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule, after watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there. And it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After com purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials. You can ask the presenter questions and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically. And when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose as long as you choose something as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've com uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, there will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at cpetoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics, accounting, audit, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more, you name it. Check out cpetoday.com. And the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. Good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the office. Uh, this is K2's QuickBooks for Accountants. My name is Steve Yoss. I'll be your instructor and presenter for today. And it is a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for being here. Pretty in-depth look at uh, QuickBooks, uh, both QuickBooks Desktop, QuickBooks Enterprise, and QuickBooks Online. 
to give you a pretty good uh, understanding and familiarity with the application, how it's used, its major features and functions, some tips and tricks, and uh, some different ways that you can incorporate this either into your business for your own accounting, or if you happen to be doing accounting for your clients, what that might look like. So we're going to go ahead and start with uh, chapter one here, where we're going to be looking at um, some of the major kind of quick tips that I think you should know about with respect to both QuickBooks Desktop and QuickBooks Online. Uh, there are a lot of just commonly like needed things inside the application that I see a lot of accountants frustrating, uh, getting frustrated with or not even doing uh, that we're going to go ahead and just talk about right away to give you some good quick wins to use in the application. Uh, starting first and foremost, for example, with closing accounting periods in, uh, in both QuickBooks desktop and online, limiting access uh, and utilizing the security features of the application, avoiding and removing transactions, automation of uh, clerical tasks, including things like memorizing transactions and more. Uh, from there, we're going to go ahead and talk about what's new inside of the application. We'll be looking at uh, QuickBooks uh, 2022 desktop as well as online. There are a number of features that are being added to these solutions regularly. QuickBooks does update uh, throughout the year, and uh, QuickBooks online is in perpetual update status, meaning they're releasing stuff all the time that you should be familiar with. And so I'll kind of review some of the high level things that have been recently added to the application that I think are useful uh, for you to know. We're going to get talk about getting started with data files and really kind of in that section, what we're, we're focusing on here is uh, talking about, you know, what is it? you know, what does it look like to actually get started with QuickBooks? Creating your data files for new companies, you know, like how are we going to want to properly set this up for our clients and more. Uh, we'll talk about some of like the decision-making that you should make between do I go with QuickBooks desktop? Do I go with QuickBooks online? Um, you know, how do I properly set up the users and uh, some of the security around the application itself, you know, beginning balance stuff, uh, some key preferences and security and uh, company settings and and more. And then from there, we're gonna go ahead and talk about working with the lists. Pretty much everything inside of QB is a list. Uh, vendors, clients, um, the chart of accounts even, and working with lists effectively can really save you a lot of time and hassle. And uh, especially as you kind of look to get started here with, uh, um, your clients, you know, kind of getting those lists properly set up, whether it be, for example, their, their chart of accounts or, you know, importing in their customers, or their vendors, you know, some of the tips and tricks with respect to managing of those lists can really save you a lot of time uh, and money. And so there are so many different types of lists, you know, you got items, you've got fixed assets, billing rates, classes, workers, comp codes, jobs, uh, customer messages. We're not going to go through every one of them in, but we will, discuss a couple of the high level ones that you should be familiar with. We'll talk about reporting um, and analyzing data. I'm going to talk about this in a couple of different ways. Uh, we'll talk about some of the standard reports that you can expect to use with respect to QuickBooks, um, both for desktop and online, you know, some of the tips and tricks with respect to like consolidation of reports and what it looks like to run different types of reports and 
In this section two, I'm also going to introduce a topic that's a little outside the scope of what the class includes, but I think it's useful for you to know, uh, which is actually accessing reports through uh, ODBC. Uh, ODBC is Open Database Connectivity. It is an ISO standard for interoperability of databases. It's been around forever, um, and it's a really kind of useful and effective way for um accessing information inside of a database into a spreadsheet application or Microsoft Power BI and more. And, you know, with uh, QuickBooks, it's no, this is no different. You know, QuickBooks at the end of the day is essentially just a database with some pretty rigid rules uh, to support, um, you know, kind of a, um, a structured accounting system, but it's the database nonetheless. And so I'm going to talk about and show you a couple of different ways that you can actually pull data directly out of QuickBooks into Excel. And I've actually got a testing server set up that you can test with uh, that has both QuickBooks Online as well as QuickBooks Desktop Data. And we're going to pepper in as many tips and tricks and, you know, traps and things that I think are useful and effective for you to know to leverage this application uh, correctly, you know. So just my thoughts and, uh, you know, how I've been using QuickBooks, uh, both in public accounting uh, for my years working in, in public practice as well as working uh, you know, as a instructor and teacher now, uh, you know, that reviews, you know, the documentation provided by Intuit as well as, uh, you know, writing these books, uh, I'll try to share with you some of the insider knowledge that I know, uh, that make managing this data more effective, um, in your day-to-day -day use. Now, this is just our starting off point. We can take this presentation any number of directions. And in fact, I would love to know if there's anything in particular that you're interested in or excited in today, uh, any particular frustrations or issues that you have with the application. Uh, I'd love to know what they are. Uh, we are here live. It is, according to my watch, 7.09 in the morning. Uh, so I am here to answer your questions in all forms of what they might be. So if you wouldn't mind, go ahead, open up that chat box again, shoot me a message, let me know what you're mostly interested in today, and I will do my best to try to incorporate that into our presentation and to answer your questions. Okay. All right. Before we get started, I've got a couple of housekeeping things to go ahead and review with you. And then we're going to dive into our first section, which is our quick wins and quick tips with um, QuickBooks. And if you'd like, go ahead and send me over your questions or what you're interested in learning. And then I'll review those with y'all, uh, just here in a moment. Again, my name is Steve Yoss. Uh, I am a CPA out West here. Uh, I live in beautiful Big Bear Lake, California, about two hours, uh, East and a little bit North of Los Angeles, uh, right in the foothills of, um, the San Bernardino mountains and great place to be. And uh, happy to be coming to you from my from my beautiful hometown. Uh, in my life, my life and experience is really kind of split right down the middle. I spent about half my life writing and teaching and talking and thinking about technology and sharing uh, my findings and, and work with y'all uh, through my classes and work with K2. And I've been doing this for many years as a speaker and instructor for them. And if you've had a class with me before and you're coming back again, thank you. And if this is your first class with me, thank you for being here. Uh, outside of my work with K2, I work as a software developer now, uh, applying my accounting knowledge in building systems uh, uh, for other people, usually a lot of business and accounting systems uh, through my work with Devmatics. 
we build all types of software, mobile apps, enterprise apps, inventory apps, you know, stuff for mobile phones, stuff for the web, stuff for desktops and more. And uh, I spent a lot of time helping business leaders understand technical systems and helping our development and engineering staff understand the business value that they are uh, leading. Uh, in my work through Debmatics, a lot of my clients use QuickBooks and often I am uh, building solutions to support uh, their accounting system, which is often QuickBooks, especially in these environments, it's usually QBO. Uh, so I've built a number of extensions and tools to interact and pull data from QuickBooks, both desktop and online over the last couple of years. So if you have any questions on that, by all means, please feel free to ask. Okay, a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, as a reminder, this is a NASBA qualified webinar. As such, we have polling questions that you're going to have to respond. Uh, just a heads up, there are a total of 25 I'm going to go ahead and put the first one up here so you know what to expect. I know you all have been in webinars before. This should be no shock to you. I will apologize first and foremost. There's a lot of them, you know, and unfortunately, I just got to ask them all. Uh, as long as you re uh, respond to at least 75% of these polling questions, uh, you will get a full credit. Uh, there'll be approximately four per hour. Uh, just as a heads up, give me one second here. Uh, they may or may not be announced. I will do my best to to remember to announce them, but let's try something real quick. Let's try something real quick. Tell me if you can hear this. Let me know if you hear the ding there. If you hear the ding, I'm going to try to give you a ding so that you know when uh, when those polling questions pop up. So if you hear the ding, you know to respond. May or may not actually physically tell you that, but again, when you hear the ding, uh, you know that there is a polling question afoot. Okay, course evaluation. Again, I know you've all been in webinars before. Love to know what you think of today's course. Um, not exactly sure where the evaluation will come from, but I know it'll come from after the class. Any and all feedback is welcome to appreciate it. I read every single one of them, as well as uh, your societies and the folks at K2. I'd love to know what you think of today's class. With respect to questions, ask, ask, ask. You're attending a live webinar for a reason. This is not a recording. We're, we're doing it live, baby. So if you have any questions, by all means, please feel free to ask at any point. I'm here to explain things. I'm here to show other examples. If you got any experience, feel free to share your insight and knowledge. And if you got any technical issues, let me know. Uh, although I will tell you 99 times out of 100, just closing Zoom and reopening it um, will resolve the issue. If my Zoom happens to freeze, I will close it and reopen it. It happens occasionally. So just be on the lookout for you. Okay. With respect to our schedule for today, this is a full day webinar. We are going to take a total of three breaks. We'll take a morning break. Um, this webinar is timed in central time, so I've put everything in central. I'm assuming most of y'all are around central time. Uh, so we'll take a break around 10.30 a.m., okay? Then we'll take another break, uh, our lunch break around noon, and then we'll take another afternoon break around 3, and class will end about 4.30. So I will uh, do my best to Kind of let you know when those polling, uh, I'm sorry, when those uh, breaks are popping up, but uh, just be on the lookout because they will, uh, uh, this is our relative schedule. So plus or minus, I'll do my best to try to keep, keep around it. All righty. Let me go ahead and review. I think we've got some pretty good feedback from folks. Let's just see what, uh, what people are interested in for today. All righty. All right, Krista writes in, I want to hear tips optimizing QuickBooks. I've never taken a course on QuickBooks, just self-taught. Uh, Krista, that's most of us are self-taught with respect to that. So you're in good company and I'll try to share with you as much 
as I possibly can. Feel free to ask questions. Alrighty, and looking over here in our Q&A section, I'm just gonna go ahead, if you guys can do me a favor and not use the Q&A and just use the chat, I'd appreciate it, just so I don't have to monitor two places. It's just easier to monitor the chat. But, uh, all right, Brittany writes in, is there a way to download a spreadsheet for bills printed so that we can upload a positive pay to the bank directly? It gets time-consuming inputting checks by hand to the bank. Uh, Brittany, uh, we'll look through, I'm pretty sure there's a couple of different reports that you could use. And in a nutshell, what I think we'll probably end up doing, and I'll try to remember this and you can remind me when we get to this section, what you're going to want to do is to create a report for your, your bill paying, add or remove the columns you don't need, memorize the report, and then you could recall the report whenever you want it to be. And then you could download that report in CSV format or Excel format. Uh, but if you can get me an example of what that positive pay upload might look like, I'll see if I can, I can, uh, uh, I'll see if I can replicate that for you, but, uh, I'll do my best to try to remember when we get to that section, Sean writes in, I'm curious to see if there's a way to troubleshoot prior account balances and QuickBooks online as they're in QuickBooks desktop in the client data review. Um, yes, uh, Sean, there are a couple of different things that you can do with this and I will try to point those out when we get to our QuickBooks section. But uh, if you haven't already, one of the things I'll point out when we get to our QBOA, our QBO sections uh, here is to remind you that there are uh, there is a special program put together by Intuit called QBOA, QuickBooks Online Accountant. And uh, QuickBooks Online Accountant is uh, Intuit's um, specialized accounting program. It's not ProAdvisor. It is a... Uh, uh, like a standalone program. I'll, I'll give you some of the specifics around it here in a little bit. Uh, but when you sign up for QBOA, you get this thing called the accountant's toolbox, uh, which is going to include a number of accounting feature tools, including some stuff around accounting review. Uh, so uh, I'm not hundred percent sure if that's going to answer what you're looking or provide what you're looking for, but I'll show you what that functionality looks like. And we can kind of review it uh, together, but thank you for your questions. And, and I will do my best to try to show some of that stuff as we kind of talk through uh, talk through our questions uh, today. Alrighty, folks. So a majority of today is actually going to be in, is actually going to directly be in uh, QuickBooks itself. So let's go ahead and switch over and get started in there. And we'll get started with our first section, which is our quick tips for common uh, user issues. Alrighty, folks, so let's go ahead and get started here and let's go ahead and talk about uh, which is going to be chapter one. Uh, as a reminder, there are a number of um, of uh, sample materials and a book that have been, sorry, not sample materials, but a book that has been provided to you. Uh, I've got it up here on my screen, uh, just as a reminder to make sure you download the associated materials related to this course. And you can follow along in the book, take notes, and uh, certainly use that as a reference point uh, in the future. Alrighty. So we're going to go ahead and start here with uh, this chapter one, quick tips. And in this section, what we want to do is, you know, talk about accounting periods in QuickBooks and how to identify um, transactions posted in those prior periods. Uh, we'll talk about things like uh, payables and receivables from cash basis statements, voiding checks in prior period, um, doing some of the underlying credit and debit entries in QuickBooks and, and more. Uh, the first thing I want to go ahead and talk about is going to be utilizing the accounting um, periods inside of QuickBooks Desktop, and specifically what it looks like to close 
a accounting period. Now, this is a feature that's been around for many, many years, but unfortunately is not super widely used uh, for one reason or the other. Uh, I'd like to think it's it's mostly just out of lack of awareness, um, <clears throat> but uh, it's still something that should be utilized far more frequently than it actually is. And that is closing accounting periods inside of both QuickBooks Online and Desktop. And what this means when you close an accounting uh, period is that you're going to prevent people from being able to post to a period before a date that is specified. Uh, this is really necessary in QuickBooks for a couple of different reasons. The first reason is that QuickBooks is not a period-driven accounting system. Uh, what I mean by that is in a traditional accounting system, you have a period and the date will fall within that period, but the period is like, like a batch. And that's probably the best way of describing it. And, um, you can move and specifically choose what batch or what period to work with. With QuickBooks, everything is based off of the date of the transaction. You know, so if we, for example, were to go and come in and create a uh, create a check, or if we were to go, for example, and enter a bill, uh, for that matter, whatever date that we put into this particular transaction is going to be the date that ultimately is going to show on that financial system. Um, and that's the date that's going to get picked up, you know, and the issue is, is that a lot of clients will post into prior periods, you know, they'll post stuff in 2023 and 2022, or they'll post stuff into the future. And, you know, when we go to run our uh, financial reports, especially if we're doing a ta incomes tax return from one period to the other, uh, one of the most frustrating things is that we'll see our, our prior period balances, uh, adjust and they will not be what we originally had set, uh, set up. Okay, so that's that's reason one. The second reason is is that it's a great internal control. Um, I could tell you as a guy who's written several different courses on fraud, um, small business accounting fraud. Actually, I'm, I'm teaching a course uh, on Friday about that as well. Uh, that uh, so much of it has to do with uh, people, you know, um, monkeying with the payables. Uh, you know, a lot of people tend to be wanting to oversecure their receivables in cash, which you certainly should do. But time and time again, the data has shown us that if you're going to have fraud that has occurred inside your business, more often than not, it's going to occur on the payable side and not on the receivable side. And so one of the most common fraud tap tactics that people will end up doing is that they will come and they will uh, write a checkout. They will go ahead and write a checkout to themselves and then they will go ahead and change uh, the date, and then they will go ahead and change the payable um, uh, name to somebody else. So when we create uh, a closing entry, when we create, I'm sorry, not a closing entry, but a closing date uh, with respect to our, um, with respect to our, uh, our accounting system here, uh, what we're doing is that we're limiting the, the ability and the scope of time that somebody can do to actually change transactions. Now, at the very minimum, what you should end up doing is that you should be closing the books at least once a year. Uh, you know, 1231 to prevent people from adjusting year to year balances. But if you can close that more frequently, all the better. And what that ultimately is going to allow you to do is to reduce the scope of which transactions that can ultimately be changed in the accounting system. This is going to help reduce errors, and it is also going to go ahead and reduce the ability for somebody to be able to um, to be able to go in and uh, uh, modify transactions. 
So let me show you where those, those, those are. And then I also wanna show you what's called the closing date exceptions report, and then also some of the date warnings that can pop up here. So uh, we're actually gonna be spending a fair number of time over here in the edit menu and under preferences. Okay. And in this, uh, this is where we're gonna go ahead and be able to adjust and modify many of the company preferences that we would use on a regular basis inside of QuickBooks. And so in this section, we're gonna see like, for example, our accounting preferences, our bills, preferences, checks, so on and so forth. Okay, and with respect to our closing dates, that's gonna be up here in our accounting section and under our company preferences. And there's two sections in particular that you should know about. Okay, first section over here is gonna be your date warnings, okay? And you have the option, for example, to provide warnings when somebody is trying to post a certain uh, number of days in the future or a certain number of days in the past. And uh, at a very minimum, you should probably have both these options on uh, to prevent, for example, something occurring in, you know, posting, you know, from months ago or months again in the future. Okay. And the next bit of this, though, is this guy right here. And I'll show you whether this looks inside of uh, QuickBooks Online as well. And this is going to be your closing date for QB uh, that you can choose. And you could set whatever date and time that you'd like. Um, you know, so for example, we can go ahead and set a closing date. Uh, this is as of uh, 1231. Um, you know, we could go ahead and select a 1231 here. And in this case, it would prevent any transactions occurring before that date. Okay. So if we were gonna go ahead and do the tax return like we would do for 2022, once we're done and we've got everything looking, we'd wanna set, for example, the uh, the closing date to be at least 1231 to prevent somebody from modifying our opening transactions in that next year. Okay. Now let's go ahead and set a closing date. Let's choose ours to be a sooner date. And let's go ahead and choose like the end of July here. Let's go ahead and say we are closing our books monthly and we're gonna go ahead and select that uh, that closing date of cell of um, 731, okay? Now there's two ways that you could do this. You could basically just set a closing date and be done here. Uh, and what this will do when it sets just the closing date and you didn't set a password, all it'll do is just warn the user. It'll just basically say, hey, um, you know, you're not supposed to be posting in this period, but it's not actually gonna prevent them or stop them from actually doing anything. If you want to put some meat on the bones, you got to set the password that goes along with this. Now, this password is not the same password as it relates to logging into QuickBooks or your computer or email. This is a separate uh, password that you set specifically to this. And it's also a password that um, you would closely hold. It's not something that you would widely disseminate to the group. So uh, I'll set the incredibly secure password of one, two, three, four, five. We'll go ahead and hit okay. And we're gonna go ahead and hit okay up here. And now that closing date is applied. Now, if we were to come over here and let's go ahead and write a check, okay? And for our check, let's just go ahead and put it into, let's say we wanted to go ahead and write a check. It is August 17th, but let's say we wanted to write a check for uh, July 27th. And let's say it's still the electric company. And let's just go ahead and say it is $400. We go ahead and select close and load. It's gonna go ahead and pop this up and give us this little warning message here. And so very clearly it says, hey, we don't want you, we're gonna let you do this, but it's not a good idea. Okay, do you wanna be able to do this? And we're gonna go ahead and select yes. And uh, 
Shouldn't have let us make those transactions. Why did that do that? Let me try that one more time. This is a sample file, so maybe there's some weird stuff that goes into it. Let me see, what did I set for our date? Edit preferences, accounting. Yeah, 7-31-2022. That should have not allowed that to occur. But let's try that one more time. Make sure maybe I screwed up the date. Let's pick a date way in the past. It should, and I'll show you this in QuickBooks Online, so if for whatever reason this doesn't end up working, not a problem here. And let's go ahead and do save and new. Yep, that should give us that warning here. Is it a closed period? Do you want to file the transaction? Huh. I think with respect, this is the enterprise version. I think what we also need to do here is to set the, oh, Okay, it didn't take our password. Let's try that one more time. Right. Let's try that one more time. There we go. All right. Isn't great technology great when it works? Okay, so it's basically saying, hey, what you're trying to do here is in a closed period. It could affect prior financial reports. Uh, you must enter the closing date password to make this take effect. And that's really what you want. I would tell you that, again, at the very minimum, it should be yearly, uh, but more frequent periods would be preferable. So maybe quarterly, uh, if you could all the way go down to a month or, or week, even better. So if I was just some sort of AP clerk, uh, AR clerk, I'd have, I wouldn't be able to post in that prior period. I'd probably have to go to my manager to get approval. They would put in that transaction, put in that closing date uh, password here, and then it would allow for that transaction to be recorded. Uh, what a lot of people end up doing is that they will go and they will write a check out to themselves, print the check, cash the check. And then ultimately what they will do is they'll come back into the accounting system looking for that check. And then they will change the payee name of this from their name to somebody else's name. Uh, and that's a very common tactic with respect to uh, accounts payable fraud. So if you close that accounting period, it's not perfect, but it will hopefully give you the um, ability to be able to reduce the scope of transactions that can be modified. Now, there's also an accompanying report that kind of goes hand in hand with this. And it's what we call the closing date exceptions report. Okay. And so that closing date exceptions report Let's see, that's going to be over here under your report center, accountant and taxes. And you're going to go ahead and see this option here, that closing date exception report. And what this is going to do is it's going to actually give you all the different transactions that uh, were processed in a time period that um, it was in a prior period. So uh, in this particular way, we can see here, there are several different transactions uh, that are presented as well as different actions. We can see the history of that closing date of when that's been applied. And we can see here that there have been some transactions that have been processed, including that check we just wrote here uh, that were in that, um, that were violating that closing date. And so this is a great way to be able to kind of zoom in on those transactions, at least get a little bit of insight and be able to identify, you know, when, uh, for example, your opening balances have changed, this would be a really good way to be able to go in. You'd be able to find those transactions really 
quickly and specifically. Okay, now this particular uh, functionality is also present inside of, is also present inside of QuickBooks Online too. Okay, and let's go take a quick look at that and see what that might function like. And if you'd like to follow along, here is a link that I just dropped into our chat box here that you can open up the test drive of QBO. And uh, this is just a sample file that you can go ahead and work with. It doesn't require a signup, doesn't require username and password or anything. It's a full version of QBO and you can just try the stuff out. And the second you leave the, um, the second you leave the file, all the changes are, are blown out. Uh, so I'll be hopping in and out of Craig's landscaping design here to kind of give you a sense of, of uh, QBO as well. Now this will be over here under account and settings and it's gonna be over here under advanced and you'll see under the accounting settings inside of QBO, uh, click that little pencil icon and same thing. You can go ahead and close the books. You can go ahead and you could set a closing date and this is gonna be where you can go ahead and just basically warn somebody that they're posting into a closed period or you could say allow the changes after entering a password. I will go through and showing this exact functionality again if pretty much is the exact uh, as desktop, it looks and feels exactly what you think it would be. And it'll just prevent, um, it'll just go ahead and prevent people from being able to post into those prior periods. Okay. Now beyond, um, you know, kind of the, the closing date, one of the things I would tell you that's also kind of really helpful and effective for you to know is that you should really be limiting users with their own, uh, accounts. Uh, ideally, everybody who's interacting with QuickBooks should have their own login, whether it be for QuickBooks Online or it is for QuickBooks Desktop. Um, you know, and unfortunately, so many businesses don't actually take the time to set up, you know, proper accounts, and it's not difficult to do. Uh, you know, whether you are uh, in QuickBooks Online, it's really just as a matter of coming over here and setting up those additional users and then giving them the specific rights and privileges that they are supposed to have. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, or if it's in desktop, same thing, you know, coming over here and setting up your proper users and uh, limiting their access and rights. Um, so throughout the application, there are a variety of kind of safeguards to help prevent unnecessary access or modification to the accounting system. It's really just kind of on you to be able to, um, to be able to uh, go in and, and set those proper permissions up. Now, when you do set up a proper user, and we will talk a little about this a little bit, a little bit later on, is that when you're actually in that particular user account, and I'm in the enterprise version of this at the moment, uh, but the, the standard Premier version also will support this, uh, you can select and limit what those user rights are. Uh, Enterprise gives you a lot more granular permissions with respect to what a user can do. And that's one of the distinguishing characteristics between QuickBooks Premier and Pro versus the Enterprise version is this screen right here where you can, for example, limit somebody's ability to be able to uh, edit or delete transactions. Uh, but even in the standard version of, of uh, QuickBooks, uh, you could still prevent, it's one of the options inside of the user configuration, whether or not somebody should have the ability to be able to uh, change or delete transactions. Um, and you could actually set it specifically whether or not they're even allowed to use the password for that closing date. Okay. So that is your closing date. And with respect to the closing date, 
Uh, it's something very, very simple, but I will tell you, it's my personal number one internal control. And it's the number one uh, thing that I like to show and help people implement. Uh, it's not hard to do, but it would really, really kind of help with respect to kind of reducing your risk and exposure uh, for people fraudulently changing or changing transactions or putting stuff into the accounting system. Okay, so the next thing I wanted to go ahead and talk about here is payables and receivables from cash basis financial statements. Uh, a lot of small businesses are using QuickBooks uh, to report their financial position, and um, you know they're doing so on a cash basis. You know, however, QuickBooks is obviously a um, you know if you generate a cash you know cash basis uh, statement, it's going to include things like accounts receivable and accounts payable, and that's obviously not something that you can have on a cash basis. Um, financial statement here. Uh, so for example, you know, you might purchase your inventory that's recorded through account payable that remains unpaid uh, on the balance sheet date that can give rise uh, to, you know, accounts payable appearing on those financial statements and the things that you, that you choose to do, you know? So if I were to, for example, come on over here and let's go ahead and generate a balance sheet. Okay. And let's go ahead and set this to cash basis. Uh, you know, for example, we're going to see here things uh, like our accounts receivable popping up on our popping up on our uh, balance sheet. And likewise, if we came down here, we would see uh, for our payables, same same type of thing. We're going to go ahead and see the payables amount pop up on here as well. So. To remove these accounts payable or, or, or receivables, what you often need to end up doing is you need to create different tra uh, journal transactions to basically move these into different periods. Uh, so what we would end up doing is we would generate a balance sheet like we do here, and then we would go ahead and we would drill down to accounts payable directly from that balance sheet. And what we're gonna be looking at is what's a, called a transactions by account report. So let's go ahead and take our payables report here. Here's our transactions by account report. What we're gonna to wanna to do is then change the date range to include all transactions for that particular uh, period of year. So let's go ahead and change this to this fiscal year. Okay. And then what we're gonna to wanna to do is change the uh, status of this through our filters. And then we're gonna to wanna to go ahead and show that uh, we want to go ahead and show where the paid status is set to open. Okay. And then from there, what we're going to want to also then end up doing is uh, totaling this by account list. Okay. All right. And then what it ultimately is going to end up doing, we kind of scroll down here and this is a big file. Uh, it's going to give us our journal entry that we should ultimately end up doing. Uh, so in this particular case, the total of these transactions is 13,534. And what we would end up doing is then preparing a journal entry uh, to journal that amount. Okay. So unfortunately, um, that's really kind of the only way to be able to kind of get those out is that you would ultimately end up journaling it um, into that next period, and then it will remove it from that particular account. And then you do a reversing entry to kind of re reset it up in that particular 
uh, way back in those systems. Now, in addition to this for receivables, for accounts receivable transactions, you're gonna follow really kind of the same procedures as outlined, uh, except you're gonna start on the accounts receivable and you're gonna drill down to that and then filter to that same status of open and then kind of create that essential same uh, transaction from the report. Okay, and so that's really kind of the only way that is I've found anyways to kind of remove these is to, to kind of journal it out and then reverse that journal entry a little bit later on. All right, next thing we're going to go ahead and talk about here is removing old transactions from a data file. Okay, your uh, QuickBooks application can get super big as it relates to um, the number of transactions. It's quite common, for example, to have uh, several years, sometimes even decades. QuickBooks came out around 92, I'm going to say, somewhere around there. And... Um, you know, I've got one client, it's a uh, small hardware company, you know, in my, my local hometown here who's been using QuickBooks literally since it came out. And, uh, you know, their QuickBooks file, you know, over the years has grown to several gigabytes in size. And that can often lead to a lot of um, sluggishness in the actual application itself, uh, especially if you're looking to move to QBO. Uh, at some point, you're going to need to reduce the number of transactions and remove old transactions actually from the application. Um, as you move to QBO, there's a limitation on the amount of data that you can choose to upgrade if you so needed to. And so it is uh, important at some point that you remove some of these old transactions, A, to slow down, or sorry, to speed up the file and to you know make backups and things move faster and take less space. But then if you're looking to move to QuickBooks Online, you're also going to need to remove some of these transactions because there's, I think it's only a half a million um, transactions and they call them touch points or data points that can actually be moved uh, from the desktop application up to online. So what we're going to go ahead and show you here is going to be removing these old transactions from that data file. Uh, now, this is good. You could basically, you know, automatically remove these transactions out, out at a specific date. You can even separate them out into a separate file. Uh, and it's going to be called the condense data. Now, it used to be formerly called archive and condense and uh, cleanup company data. Condensed data is pretty much the exact same thing. It allows you to remove and summarize transactions on a user specified date. And uh, what ends up happening is that QuickBooks will generate a variety of summary journal transactions to reflect the activity during that period. But instead of having, you know, a thousand entries to represent one specific, um, you know, to represent one specific number, it summarizes that into a journal entry for that specific number and then deletes the underlying data behind it. Okay, now this is going to be over here under the file menus under utilities and then condense data. Okay, so we're going to come over here to the file utilities and then we're going to go ahead and select condense data. Where are you right here? Uh, second one down from the bottom and this is going to go ahead and give our ability to be able to reduce this data. Let's see if it likes that one. There we go. All right, so how do you want to condense your company file? And so we got a couple of options here. We can keep all transactions, but remove the audit trail uh, to date. 
and this will tell me that it will reduce our, our file by 39%, okay, 18 megabytes, okay, <clears throat> or we can specify the transactions that we would like to move, okay? So it's really kind of up to you in terms of what approach you wanna, that you ultimately end up wanting to do here. Um, if you remove the transactions, you're gonna be permanently removing the data from the actual file itself. To just kind of be aware that that's an option. I would tell you before you go down this road, no matter what, absolutely take a good backup of your file. Uh, you can always recreate it from a you know um, backup file if need be, but uh, you know before you start removing stuff, definitely create a, a good backup of that particular date. Now, assuming you want to delete transactions, it's going to go ahead and present this, and we're going to go ahead and uh, choose this other option down here. Okay, first option just basically um, removes the audit trail. So it removes a lot of the underlying metadata, but it actually keeps the transactions. This one actually removes the transactions themselves. And so the next one is going to be give us the opportunity of what transactions do we want to remove. And so uh, we can remove them based off a specified date. So we can basically say, hey, go ahead and remove everything from 1-1 one, one, uh, before, okay? And we can optionally create a report. We can go ahead and keep and tell it to remove all transactions. And in that particular case, it'll basically truncate the file, but it will keep the lists and preferences. Um, the one time I've actually used that particular option is that uh, when I've had a company and uh, I've got a bunch of data that's set up and then they create like a subsidiary uh, or they create like a child company, um, you know, a division, something, something like that. And I've already got all the vendors and I've already got, for example, the customers and everything set up. This is a way that you can essentially almost templatize your uh, QuickBooks file where it'll basically keep all the stuff that you've set up inside of it. The chart of accounts will be the same, the memorized reports, uh, but it'll just get rid of the data itself. And then the option, other option here is transactions out of a uh, specific date range. And so um, we can go, go ahead and specify a date of whatever we'd like to do. Uh, so let's just say we wanted to remove all transactions and uh, let's go back to January 1st, 2020. Okay. We'd select this option here, show it, give us the, the journal entry of the uh, transaction, or not journal entry, but a report of the transactions that cannot be removed. Okay, let's try this. Ugh. Let's try this, there we go. Okay, and then the next screen over here is gonna go ahead and show us how um, certain things should be, um, should be removed. So the, for example, the first one that's going to pop up here is going to be the inventory. Uh, so we can summarize the inventory transactions. Basically it just takes all the detail out. And instead of showing us the um, uh, kind of detail there, it'll just have one summary journal transaction for that particular uh, time, you know? So it'll basically remove all those kind of uh, inventory adjust, you know, all the different types of like inventory transactions that we've had. And we'll just have one summary transaction that will show us that actual date according to um, the data that gets removed here. Okay, so inventory will be the next one. Then it's gonna go ahead and ask us some other options here. Uh, what other transactions do we wanna get rid of? So unclear, unreconciled bank transactions, transactions marked to be printed, invoices to be sent, estimates, mileage, and, and other types of activities as well. It's gonna go ahead and ask us, you know, essentially, do you wanna go ahead and get rid of those as well? Okay, the next screen is gonna go ahead and ask us to get started. Um, 
there's also sometimes a screen that will pop up here that'll ask us if we want to remove unused list entries. So uh, it can go through after it removes all those different transactions and, you know, for example, remove unnecessary accounts, customers, vendors, things of this nature too. And so if you have something inside of that period that, uh, that is no longer required, essentially through this step, it will go ahead and remove those as well. Okay. Now I'm not going to go ahead and condense this file because this is a sample file, uh, but this would be where you would go ahead and uh, get started for that, uh, that type of transaction. Come on. There we go. All right. Now some other stuff inside of here that can also be pretty useful inside of the utilities menu while we're on this screen. Uh, this is also going to be where you can go, for example, and verify the integrity of your data. If you, for example, have data integrity issues and, and the file's not running correct, as well as rebuilding the data. Both these are great utilities that will help you kind of get up back up and running if there's like data quality issues and access issues with your actual file itself. Okay. And this is also going to be where you will come in and uh, upload your file to QuickBooks Online. Okay, and I'll talk about that a little bit later on when we're getting started. Uh, but if you are looking to make the transition from QuickBooks Desktop to QuickBooks Online, uh, this is going to be where you can go ahead and initiate that particular setting to, um, to uh, allow your file to be uploaded to QBO. Okay. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about our next thing here, voiding checks in prior period. Okay, so voiding checks in prior periods uh, before the closing date has long been an issue with QuickBooks users. When you void a check inside of QuickBooks, it voids it as the date you wrote it, okay? Obviously, that's not what we want. Uh, this action means that if you wrote the check in the prior accounting period, voiding it will affect financial statements that you've already issued, and it could potentially affect tax returns and other nasty stuff, okay? So one of the available options to address this issue is to have QuickBooks automatically generate journal entries in the current period and prior periods to the amount of that check's impact, okay? And this feature is only available for voided checks written before that closing date, okay? So uh, to use this, you have to be using that closing date that you've set up here. And so we've gone ahead and we've set a closing date again. Let's come over here and check this out. I think we set it for 7.31. 731 2022. Okay. And what this will allow us to do is uh, be able to create these summaries transactions for checks that are before that particular date and time. So let's say we uh, set that closing date and then we have a, a close a check before that date that we want to go ahead and avoid. Okay, so let's go ahead and take a look at a date of a check and go and void that particular check. And let's go find a report. Let's go ahead and find the report of something from that particular period. Okay, so here is a check 
Oh, these are bad. Let's see. Okay, so here is a check to the Federal Treasury on 115-2022. And let's just go ahead and void this check. So we're gonna go ahead and select this void check, save and close. Okay, it's gonna ask us, do we wanna go ahead and do this? We're gonna go ahead and select yes. We're gonna go have to put in our closing date exceptions report, password. And why did you let me do that? Let me try that one more time somewhere else. Let's pick, okay, 115, 2022. Void that particular check. And we're gonna go ahead and select save and close. And that should, huh, oh, man. It's not wanting to be cooperative today. Uh, it should pop up a little screen here that basically says, you know, to the check that you're written in this particular accounting period is closed. Uh, do you want to create a summary journal entry to, to maintain that? Let me just create one more check and see if I can go ahead and get this to actually work. Checking, checking, there we go. And let's try doing this 100 bucks. And we need to make sure that it is, uh, there is one gotcha with this. Um, it's only available if the check is associated with an expense or other expense account. So it, need, it can't be into a payable. So it has to be into an expense. So let's just say this uh, expense here is to repairs. Okay, for a hundred bucks. And let's go ahead and put this into 0515, save and close. Okay, we've gone ahead and put that in. All right. Let me see if I can find that check. Bayshore Water, where were you? Yeah, this should work, okay? And if it doesn't work, we'll just keep moving on here. But it should just be as simple as just uh, voiding that particular check, 731-2022. But uh, yeah, it doesn't want to actually seem to be doing it today. Oh, there we go, perfect, God. Sometimes folks, I do my best here, you know? I'm doing the best I can. Sometimes the application just doesn't want to comply. All right, so. Uh, the check you're uh, avoiding was written into a kind of period that is now closed to maintain the accuracy of your financial reports and account balances. QuickBooks can create that journal entry in the earlier period and a reversing entry in the current period. Would you like QuickBooks to void this check and the appropriate journal entry? If we select yes here, it goes ahead and creates that journal entry for us and will properly account for that. And that won't cause a prior period misstatement uh, that you'll then have to modify. So kind of cool and, you know, something that uh, if you have to deal with this on a regular basis, it is something, um, you know, it just kind of creates those summary transactions for you. 
Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of, from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up-to-date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com. If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code one free podcast at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.